0: You're listening to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 33, The Adventures of Tintin. Relax, I interviewed a pilot once.
1: Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, Dreamworks, Pixar, Don Bluth and everything in between. My name is Chelsea Robson and I'm Morgan Stradley. Welcome! We're so excited. Today we are going to be talking about the Adventures of Tintin. But first, let's get some news.
0: So there has been lots of lots of animation news more so than I guess I was aware of because we recently signed on a handful of new writers which have been adding news stories to the site like crazy. So it seems like every day we have about four or five articles that go up and they're on different things such as you know, there's a lot of Disney stuff, there's a lot of Pixar stuff, and then all the other studios are covered pretty heavily. So it's been really fun because I finally feel like, oh, we're complete. you know we can provide really high quality stuff to the fans instead of just, like, when I was in charge of the news and then I was busy with school, it'd just be, like, one article maybe every week, two Uh weeks, and I felt really guilty, and I felt really bad, and so... (laughs) We're letting our fans down. No, no, we're not. Well, we were, but now we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're back. So, you know, we have the podcast, we have the YouTube channel, and now we have, like, full-on news, and, you know, we still have the reviews that we do, written and YouTube, so lots of good things happening. So if you haven't checked out our news site, or maybe you did, and you were like, this is lame, (laughs) maybe check it out again, because things have gotten a lot better. Yeah, a lot better. Trust me. And we have some really high quality writers. So thanks to all of them. What I really want to do maybe in maybe the next few episodes is just do like five to 10 minute interviews with each one of them. Or maybe bring them on as a guest host sometime, you know, so we can get to know each one of them in a little bit different way. Because um, it'd be really fun because they're really awesome. And I want to showcase them as
1: much as possible because they are now official rotoscopers. Exactly. <laughs> These guys are amazing. I am in awe every day when I like because there's so many different articles that are posted every single day and each one of them just goes nuts and they're just they're really good. We also have been having um,
0: our first guest post from William Jardine. He runs a113animation.com. Um it's a, his own animation news site and he is a very very talented writer and has wonderful opinions. Like I really trust everything that he says whenever he writes it. He actually did a guest post, and I'm going to do a guest post on his site. So go check that out. His uh, The post was essentially called, Why Animation is Wrongly Discarded as Children's Entertainment. So, I mean, that's a really hot button that, you know, animation's for kids. But it's not. So really great article. And actually, he is going to be on our next episode. I know I'm already jumping in the <laughs> next episode. We haven't even done this one. But he's going to be guest hosting with us while we're talking about his favorite movie, and many, many other people's favorite movie, Toy Story 2. Yahoo! So yeah, we get to do... Is this our first sequel that we've done? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm jumping the gun. I'm talking about it. (laughs) So get ready. Like, if you want to get to know, like, okay, who is this guy? Like, check out that post. And then check out his website. So get ready for the next one. Okay, we have, like, a plethora of news right now. Like, way... so many news stories are happening. So one of the things that we wanted to announce is that we have partnered with animatedviews.com. So this is another animation news site. But if you think we have a lot of news, they have a ton of news. They have tons of writers, and they probably do 10 to 15 stories a day. I don't even know. But they they kind of specialize in doing one-paragraph news stories. So they tell you what it is, no commentary, no fluff, and then they give you the link to read more. So, I mean, it's really nice if you just kind of want to browse, like, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, instead of, you know, on our site we have a lot more all right, here are my opinions on it, and here I'm going to dissect this and analyze this and give you more backstory. So really great site. So we have partnered with them, and then our podcast can now be found on their website and the YouTube channel um, they're promoting to. So good little partnership there. Yeah. I like it. Now we're like <laughs> official in the animated world, right?
1: Yay. <laughs> The next set of news is it actually goes back to Frozen, which is a really highly anticipated movie that'll be coming out we soon. We love Frozen. We do. We don't even know. Don't.
0: Okay, have you noticed a trend, Chelsea? Like, whenever we get something, like, unique and special, we, we latch on to that. It was like, ooh, Wreck-It Ralph test screening. We love Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph is awesome. <laughs> we have leaked Frozen concept art. We love Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. there. Yeah, but tell the news.
1: Yeah, so this is really cool because the leading ladies of Frozen, which are going to be Elsa and Anna, they are now set to be part of the Disney Princess collection and the Disney Princess total official lineup. So that is pretty impressive. So obviously they are banking on this film as well. Well, yeah, and they're
0: going to be joining the ranks of Mulan, which some people are like, oh, Mulan, she's a second tier princess. But Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Jasmine, um, all the big ones, Tangled, oh, did I? Oh, I just you just did. I fell in that trap. No, Rapunzel. Oh my gosh, I need to repent because that is like a Disney no-no. Um, <laughs> Mason calls it joining the Princess Pantheon. Um, but you know what I don't I don't really like about this or I'm not I don't know how I feel about it is they're kind of giving away that Elsa's not going to be that bad in the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's supposed to be I I, I don't know. We haven't really so gotten we. anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I mean, I guess they wouldn't have like the wicked sister who ends up being, you know, killed at the end, being an official princess. (laughs) I mean, and let's be honest, I can't imagine this story ever ending up like the two sisters are forever split and their bitter hatred at the end of the movie, you know. I I imagine that there's going to be some reconciliation and they're going to grow to love each other and, you know, be
1: sisters again, which they never were not sisters, but yes. (laughs) So on to our next bit of news is actually going to be about... Oh, our favorite movies, the Cars series. Oh, Cars, Cars. cars. (laughs) Actually, they just had a Disney shareholders meeting where they talked about a lot of different things. So in the Disney shareholder meeting, they essentially
0: talked about um, the future for, I guess, the animated characters, the animated films. So they talked about Oswald, which they obtained in 2006. Um, They've done the Epic Mickey series with him. And so someone asked, like, hey, what else are you going to do with Oswald? You know, I mean, this was the famous uh, pre-Mickey you know, bunny that Walt Disney created with Ub Iwerks. And unfortunately, it was, they didn't own the rights to it. I think uh, Paramount or one mm-hmm. of those big studios owned the rights. And so, you know, they essentially like pulled the rug from underneath them, you know, back in the, the 20s and said, hey, sorry, this is our character. And mm-hmm. it essentially uh, made Walt say that he will never not own his characters again. Yeah. So they finally, in 2006, got this the rights to this character back and everyone's excited because Oswald's so cute. And someone asked, hey, are you going to be doing a movie? And they're like, nah, no.
1: (laughs) We just don't want anybody else to do a movie of it. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) So um, they also talked about, like, the future of 2D animation in this. And, you know, we'd heard rumors that maybe they were working on something. And especially with Paperman, people thought, oh, you know, Paper is the next new wave of 2D animation, you know, they're... It's the launch pad for something bigger and greater, and um, they were like, "No, nothing's in development." <laughs> I was like, oh, Disney, what is wrong right now? So that was kind of disappointing because we'd heard rumors that they were working on things. They were, you know, or that that secret project that yes,
1: <laughs> that is always
0: talked about with John and Ron. Yeah, so that was a bit disappointing, and then Cars Three.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about this? Okay. So, while at this shareholder meeting, they had a moment where an eight-year-old boy came up and said, Do you guys make movies for kids or for critics? And, of course, they're going to say, For kids, of course. <laughs> of course we do. And then he said, Well, my favorite movie is actually Cars 2, and I would love to see more of the Cars. <laughs> And so everyone said, oh, then we must do it, I guess. They didn't say that. But, you know, it kind of leads to believe that that's on the docket at some point in time. They're going to continue this franchise of the Cars series. And also, they just put in a heck of a lot of money into Cars Land. Uh So why not continue this fun with Mater? Awesome! Um, I personally think that this is a conspiracy but really?
0: this kid was planted. I mean, what eight year old kid says, Do you make movies for critics or for kids? It's like, true. come on. He, yeah. You're not thinking about that at eight. So I think, you know, Bob Iger, someone in charge, they planted the kid, you know, just like a magician, how they plant, you know, the girl in the audience to be the yeah. volunteer. This yeah, is yeah. what it was. So that way they could kind of roundabout say, Oh, yeah, in case you see lots of sequels in the future, it's because we're making them for the kids who want these. Yeah. So well it's the kids that end
1: up buying them just saying, Ooh, gimme give gimme give <laughs> Through the parents. Right. But so by begging. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's what we have to look forward to.
0: And until then, just check out the news site.
1: Because we are going into the movie The Adventures of Tintin. You know, I was never really familiar with Tintin. It's because we're American. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, because we don't know what this is. But Tintin has actually been world famous for a long time. Yeah. Well, first, let's start off a little bit of the background. It was originally created by a man named Georges, or Erge, is what they would, I guess, call him, Remy. And he's from Belgium. He actually worked himself as a reporter. at a. Oh. While he was working at this paper in Belgium, he decided, well, I'm going to, you know, create my own little cartoon thing. And it actually got put into this paper, and it did amazing things for this little newspaper. Mm-hmm. It, like, made it grow 600% for this one day that Ooh. it was going to be out there. So I'm sure they were like, woo <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. But it really did. It took hold. And what he was able to do is... He put Tintin, who's just and just a young boy who is off to solve mysteries and be an adventurer and do all these things. But he actually put him into modern day scenarios uh, of that time. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this was in the 1920s and 30s. And so it was like right after World War One, And it was right around the Depression time for the United States. And it, for them, it was heading right into World War Two. The very first comic book that was made was called Tintin and the Land of the Soviets. So he puts him into a lot of different scenarios politically, Mm -hmm. and so that was one reason why when Germany came in and took over Belgium, he kind of went into hiding. The newspaper that he began in actually went out of business and so he ended up finding a new job somewhere else, but had to put Tintin into more of of an adventurer role as opposed to a reporter role. So that's kind of, like, the basis of where
0: Tintin started. Uh Uh-huh. You know, over the years, this became a worldwide phenomenon, I guess. There were comic books and, I guess, cartoons that were made. And, like, the author was never really too happy with the cartoons and maybe the live-action remakes. But, yeah, so I, being, I guess, American, that's the (laughs) only thing that I can, like, pen this to. Because I feel that growing up, I was very familiar with cartoons. Even ones, like, from before my generation. But out of the world, I'm not too familiar with, you know, Bollywood cartoons or, you yeah. know, different things from different cultures. So, yeah, I think it was really cool because as we're going to talk about when we get into to the actual movie, The Adventures of Tintin, I really liked it. And I yeah, kind of like yeah. felt like I've been missing out. Like after watching this, I was like, I want to read these books. Uh-huh. I want to find out more about this guy because he seems really cool.
1: Yeah. I actually went into Netflix. They've got a bunch of the cartoons on there. Yeah. Oh. So I decided to watch the first season of it and I didn't get through all of them, but most of them, the first, like, five or six episodes I got through, and I was like, this is actually a pretty cool little cartoon here. I was excited about it. So what was, like, different about the cartoon? It was actually, The Adventures of Tintin is actually the first three or four episodes of the cartoon in one. Ah. So if you watch this movie, you go in and watch those cartoons, and it's all kind of just spread out Mm -hmm. over, like, four or five. Mm -hmm. The first season is kind of, like, the first... Because you know how in cartoons they like take the first half of the mo- of the show to like tell you what happened last uh, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we only have to actually put out five minutes of real footage. <laughs> but no, it was a good show. I really liked it. And they had a lot of really cool little bits in there that were really funny. That's <laughs> I awesome. liked it. So like let's talk about Tintin himself, because okay. we will talk about him, I guess,
0: more when we talk about the movie. But um, so he's this little redheaded kid, but he's not a kid. Yeah. He's kind of like a young adult. Like, I was looking online, and, like, his age is never really announced. But, you know, he has a gun, and he goes into pubs, and he drinks beer. So he's obviously a young adult. Although, in the movie, like, I felt it was a bit ambiguous about, like, how old he actually was. Because sometimes I was like, he looks like he's, like, 16. Yeah. Like, not quite there yet. And it's because he's shorter And he definitely has like that baby face and Mm -hmm. you know cute little spiky hair, Mm -hmm. but apparently, and but then you you think about what he does and his job. He's a reporter. He lives by himself. I mean, he seems it's not like he's an orphan. Right. He seems like very established and okay. Like I'm adult. I'm living by myself. I have this job and I'm an adventurer. So I just thought it was kind of funny because I was kind of like,
1: how old is this kid? Like, yeah, no, er, um, Erge, I guess George's or. You know the author. Excuse us for I don't know. however we're saying this like, wrong. Like I need no to learn emails French. <laughs> I need to learn French. That's it. Hey, good excuse. Uh, exactly. Just so <laughs> I can understand Tintin. Woohoo! So you um, would have said "airage." I
0: would have said like "air hey, Oh but yeah, I don't. I don't speak French. So that's just my own.
1: <laughs> <Erge>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, no. Um but he never actually confirmed Tintin's age and the comic books actually portray him as a young adult you know cultured worldly and utterly responsible you know? oh very responsible <laughs> yes and the official website actually states that his age is in between 16 and 18 what yeah oh really <laughs> But he uses a floating timeline in, in The Adventures of Tintin. So the world ages around him, but Tintin never actually oh, does. No. Yeah. So, like, he'll always just be... The Simpsons. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bart will always be eight. Ten. Ten? Lisa's eight. Oh, So <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah, he's well-educated, intelligent, and, like, very selfless, with, like, total morals, like, just... An upstanding young youth and just like, oh. No, he's definitely someone you look
0: up to. Like, when I was watching it, like, really, like, my only basis as I'm discussing this is what from the movie. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have the comics or unlike you who have seen the cartoon, but as I was watching I'm like, this guy's responsible, you know? Yeah. I would trust this guy with, you know watching my dog or my house <laughs> or maybe some money. I don't know. Right. But seems like to be a very good role model for young boys and, and young kids because he was responsible and he was honest and he was cheery and people liked him and mm-hmm. he was smart and intelligent. And, hey, you know, he could handle a gun pretty well, too. Exactly.
1: So. <gasps> While going through and doing some research on all of this stuff, I actually went to the... According
0: to my research. According to my research. (laughs) (laughs) Mason. I know. Mason's not here in case you didn't notice, and so that's where he would pipe in. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But according to my research from Tintin Wiki, they actually say on there that he is efficient and responsible and does not smoke and rarely drinks and is very athletic. He's um, seen doing yoga various times throughout the series nice. and, and does stretches and warm-ups and the skilled driver and almost any vehicle, including tanks, <laughs> motorcycles, cars, helicopters, and speedboats. Nice. But <laughs> I'm thinking, what do they teach these kids in Belgium? <laughs> Very handy skill. Yeah. What? I'm like, definitely did not go to public school. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, that's like in the movie.
0: He's he's flying the plane. It's like, where do you... It's like, oh, I did a report on a a, a, yeah. a pilot once. Yeah, don't worry.
1: I interviewed a pilot one time. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. One other really cool thing is Snowy, his original French name was Milieu. I, I think that's how you say it. It's a contraction of the names Marie-Louise. And so... I guess. Hmm. Um, but it was actually Erj. It was his first girlfriend's name. Oh. <laughs> and so he actually just put it as the dog who happens to be a guy. Ooh, <laughs> Not a good Diss. thing. <laughs> Dis. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that he wasn't much of a fan of her. So,
0: so that is our little um, tidbit, I guess, about Tintin. So, you were kind of, in case you weren't familiar with Tintin, you were learning about Tintin as we learned about Tintin. So, we were sharing our knowledge. It was like show and tell. Just right now. <laughs> so, just going back to Tintin, if you're interested in learning more, just kind of like I was, you can definitely go to the Wikipedia page or the Tintin Wikia. And then there's also books that you can read. Like, I legitimately am going to download some of these books or, like, rent them or check them out from the library because I... Want to find out what happens next? Because these were cool
1: stories. Yeah, I'm sure so, you can get them. I'm sure you can get them on Amazon. Oh,
0: positively! <laughs> <laughs> Only the best, <laughs> obviously.
1: So, you know,
0: we're going to talk more about the different books, but they're a, a grand collection of books. It said that there's been over 200 million copies sold as of 2003, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Like that's that is that is a nice little uh, chunk of change right there. They've been published in about 50 different languages. And, yeah, so check check out Tintin and learn more. If you are a Tintin expert or you kind of have your own little information you want to share with us about this, send us an email and let us know, uh, and we'll play it on the next thing.
1: 400 years ago the cargo. A power that could have changed the course of history was lost. Generations have searched for it.
0: Snowy, look at this. It was long claimed the ship was carrying a secret cargo.
1: But no one has found a clue until now.
0: The model ship conceals a clue
1: to one of the greatest secrets in all history. <laughs> I'm warning you. Get out where you still can. These people do not play nice. I will find that ship with or without your help. Thanks. I'm Tintin by the way. Haddock. Archibald Haddock. Someone's locked the door. The keys know you. Not the sandwich? The keys! How could you let them escape? If Sekarun finds the ship before we do, it's over. This isn't just a ship. He wants vengeance. Anton, look. This may sound crazy, but I've got a plan. Excellent. Did you hit anything? Oh dear. No! You looked a little cold, so I lit a wee fire. In a boat? Well, this is a fine mess. I will take So, the Adventures of Tintin was actually released December twenty first, two thousand eleven, in the United States. Yes, and a so little little over a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually had just gotten back from Brazil. <laughs> well, I saw Tintin with my family, and
0: I was very, very impressed. So we'll talk about that. But yeah. I mean, even in our very first episode, I think we talked about um, the best and worst of two thousand eleven, and uh, Tintin was my favorite of really? the year.
1: Yes, it was. Oh. This film is officially called The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn, which is directed by Steven Spielberg and was produced by Peter Jackson, who also did The Lord of the Rings. And it is based on the three comic books by by the Belgian writer, as we talked about before, Georges... Georges... George, George. I don't... know. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Remy. <laughs> we'll just stick with that one. No, but the three ones are called The Crab with the Golden Claws... The Secret of the Unicorn and Red Rackham's Treasure. Ooh. And if you go on Netflix, you can also watch those cartoons as well and they're they're really interesting. Cool. So something interesting about this is that it was like Chelsea said it was
0: directed by Steven Spielberg, and he kind of became introduced to Tintin while he was filming the Raiders of the Lost Ark series. Yeah. During like the first one, he like came in contact with this and was like, "Wow, this is fantastic!" And he kind of saw it as an Indiana Jones for kids. Mm-hmm. And when I when I read that line, I was like, "Oh, it's totally, <laughs> it's like, totally him, definitely." So I mean, he definitely was right on on par with uh, the feeling of Tintin, or at least the version that he wanted. And so he went and he contacted the family and and you know uh or Herge, Herge, <laughs> he was very Erge. excited and <laughs> like an Hermès scarf Hirsch oh Herge was very um optimistic because like we said he wasn't really uh, happy with the cartoons or the other live action remakes but he had faith in Spielberg's vision of this movie and so gave him gave him rights um, things got pushed, and he was, and Spielberg was involved with other things, and eventually he did the third of the series. And by that point, Harris had died, and so he was given permission from the family. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, he still wasn't able to continue with this, and so the rights went back to the family. And other studios tried to pick it up, but they never released the rights because they just weren't. They, they didn't see that it was going to be as faithful mm-hmm. to the source material. Like, even some of the studios were like, no, we're like, straight up not going to be faithful to the source material. <laughs> right. So um, that was not cool for the family. And so no one ever got the rights until, um, I think, around 2001, uh, Spielberg kind of picked it up again and, and wanted to to make it a film. And he was interested in doing it with computer animation. And, you know, along the way, he kind of talked with Peter Jackson, and Peter Jackson even suggested that, you know, you should do this as a motion capture film. You know, like, he was like, hey, I use motion capture in Lord of the Rings and and King Kong, and it was great. And so um, Jackson even even said, like, I don't think, you know, a live-action version will do this justice. Like, you need to do motion capture. And so it just kind of went forth from there, and, you know... It's that's true. They decide what? That was. That's a true statement. Like, live action wouldn't have done it justice. There's just a lot going on in this movie yeah. that it's a bit fantastical yet real. Yeah. Um, so I think they picked a good medium by making it the motion caption, uh, which we'll talk about, which was a really interesting choice because sometimes you just don't go there. And I think people are afraid to go with motion capture because of, not atrocities, but just like uh, the uncanny valley that happens, mm-hmm. you know, Polar Express, Beowulf. It's a bit unsettling, and you can't sit there and watch it for an hour and a half without thinking, "This is weird." Yeah. So, anyways, they ended up doing it, and it was released, like Chelsea said, in 2011, just right around
1: Christmas time. The budget was an estimated 130 million dollars to produce. <laughs> That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. <laughs> but at the box office worldwide, it was an estimated 373 million dollars. Hmm. So, made quite a bit of chump change, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> it made actually a lot more money um,
0: internationally, which, which is pretty standard, yeah. but um, a lot significantly more internationally, where the character was more well-known and familiar and beloved, but still did reasonably well here in the United States. It grossed $77 million, which is, which is decent. Yeah. So. Very cool. So we're kind of talking about this movie. Is like the very, very first thing that stands out to me from the very first frame is this cartoony photorealism. Yeah. Um, because they they kind of switch off. They use motion capture for all of the actors' movements. Um, everyone except for Snowy, and they did that to create this kind of like real lifelike feel. But at the same time, certain characters are very cartoony mm-hmm. and kind of characterized, which is interesting because they have these big noses and kind of weird facial features and and dimensions. But at the same time, then you have Tintin, who is very real. To me, I don't think there is any character caricature to him at all. Like, no. I, during that very first scene where he's in the sun and he's getting his portrait taken, you could be tricked into thinking yeah. that this is a real guy. Yeah. And that is fantastic to me. Like, it, there was no, like, oh, he looks strange. Like, there's something off. Like, to me, with Tintin, I may be in the minority, but there wasn't anything off with the motion capture used in this film.
1: No, and I think that was one of the main reasons what they did is some of the influences, first off, they said they did that. They changed a lot of the faces and so the bodies were all motion captured, but the Uh faces they did added more of a cartoonish Uh look so that in motion capture it wouldn't go into that uncanny valley. Nice. You know, so it's (laughs) like just they they added just enough to balance it out to make you not really think that it's a real person Mm -hmm. standing there. Like you're still looking at a cartoon Mm -hmm. or its own person Mm -hmm. and not just somebody's own little Quirks and like, what is this? Yeah, (laughs) but one what was really funny. You mentioned the noses in the cartoon itself. uh, It said that it influences Edge. Also admitted that he stole a lot of his imaging and the round noses from a guy named George McManus. And he said, "There was so much fun that I used them without scruples." (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was awesome. (laughs)
0: beginning of the film so the movie starts out in belgium and we are introduced to tintin and you know there's there's that cute little thing where oh here is your your portrait sir uh-huh. and he, he looks he's like oh it's a great like this you know <laughs> and that's it's the the portrait is actually the actual cartoon version of tintin from you know uh-huh. the originals and then you see all these other characters in the background and it's it's just really funny because the movie is so photoreal, and then yeah. you have these like 2d flat very simple
1: Graphics, which yeah, are yeah. But that one, the guy who's actually drawing the picture mm-hmm. is actually a caricature of Erj. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, awesome, nice touch. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, that makes sense. I mean, he uh-huh. is the creator,
0: right? So, we're introduced to Tintin, and he's walking around, and we see his cute dog, Snowy, which I want a Snowy, okay? <laughs> that dog
1: is brilliant. Yeah, he was. And he, like, thinks. Yes. He thinks, huh? <laughs> Most well, dogs do not. <laughs> well, no, like, he... In everything that you see like in the cartoons and everything, it's like he has his own personality, Uh and it's like a very dry sense of humor. (laughs) It's kind of funny. So, you know, then we have
0: Tintin, he stumbles upon this this ship, and he seems to be very intrigued with this model ship, and he wants it. And so he he goes and he offers the guy a pound, which I don't know how much that equates to today, Mm-hmm. But it seemed very little for this thing. But it must have been a pretty significant amount. But the guy's like, "Yeah, sure." Like no counteroffer, yeah, like fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then right after, this guy comes like, "Hey, man, how much you want for the? How much you want for the boat, kid?" And you know, the guy's like, "Oh, I got a <laughs> buyer." Two seconds after his <laughs> sell, it. double it, whatever you paid. <laughs> like, oh, you know. And of course, Tintin, he's he, he knows the history of this ship and the boat, and he's very intrigued and he wants it. And so he he declines the guy, and then another man appears which we don't, I don't know if we, we learn who, what his name is, but he says, name your price, and then the old
1: guy, ugh, name your price. <laughs> <laughs> I've been selling these things for ten years, and it was two seconds away from getting a name your price. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad. That was a really
0: funny I moment. I felt bad for that little guy, but it, it, it added a pretty good comic uh-huh. relief right there. And so, you know, we create this instant tension where suddenly this, this ship is very desirable, and it, instantly there's this mystery that gets put in. Uh, right from the beginning of yeah. the movie, which is this is what all it's about. You know, he's he's not like a detective, but he kind of is. Like he's a reporter, mm-hmm. but he's involved in sort of these adventures and super sleuthing and figuring things out. And so right away, there's this this thing that goes off in your head, and you're like, "Well, why do people want that? Like, what is so interesting about this boat?" And so we're swept off to this big adventure. During this part, we're also introduced to the um, the side story of the the pickpocket. Yeah. Which is funny because it, I kind of was thinking, oh, maybe it will play back into the very end of the uh-huh. movie, and we'll see this all tie together. And it really gets resolved in the middle, uh-huh. um, as a way to kind of,
1: yeah, we'll talk about. But so we're introduced to this pickpocket guy, and that was its own uh, part in one of the cartoons. Oh, too. really? Yeah. So that's kind of why they put it. In. I was wondering about that. I was like, what? What's the do? Deal- what's the deal with this pickpocket guy? <laughs> like, he's cute and all, but like, what is this? But he, it is part of the books. Yeah, I loved. I loved meeting Tintin. Like he just looks so cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's
0: he's very put together. Yeah, and he's like a gentleman, and uh-huh. he's very sweet and charming. And oh, that's Tintin. Everybody knows Tintin. <laughs> so, and I really thought that the casting of this was perfect. Like I don't know what Tintin sounded like in the cartoons. But having not seen it, like, Jamie Bell had a very youthful, commanding voice. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt, okay, this guy, I understand that he's very young, but he's very large and in charge in his own world. And confident and secure. And yeah. I, I liked that because, I don't know, like, it was very, like, sweet-sounding to the ears. I mm-hmm. just liked listening to Tintin. He did sound a bit like um, Daniel Ratcliffe to me.
1: Huh. There were certain parts where I was like Harry, <laughs> but it, of course it wasn't. But. Of course not. In the cartoon, just sorry, I'm just always gonna be going back and forth because this I will watch. be a random tangent yeah. epi- tangent-filled episode. <laughs> but in the cartoon, I think the guy who plays Tintin is from Canada. Oh, nice. Because everything he says, "Sorry, sorry," <laughs> is the only thing you can tell. But that's how he says it. I'm like, that that sounds Canadian. <laughs> but
0: yeah. So then, um, you know, what happens is. Tintin, he breaks the model ship, you know, this cat comes in and kind of ruins everything. And then a little thing falls out, a little cylinder, and it falls down. And Snowy sees it. Snowy's very observant. He's mm-hmm. trying to, like, paw at it, and it scoots back to the, you know, back of the dresser on the floor. And then, you know, Tintin decides, let's do some research to goes <laughs> to the library. Comes, you know, discovers a little more about the history of the ship and that there was buried treasure, that there was treasure on it. Uh, no, they, they don't know that there's treasure on it, huh?
1: Yeah, it did. It's a secret. It says that there was it was rumored to have more than just ah, and he comes back and it's it's stolen, mm-hmm. which is sad. Then you're like, man,
0: this is money. Like something yeah. is up with this. But the then whole we, house ransacked. And- yes, we know as as viewers that it really wasn't the ship. Like we kind of already familiar. Like no. It's the secret thing that's inside the mast. Yeah. Like, Tintin, you already have it. Just, like, listen to Snowy. And so <laughs> he goes and he um, he essentially uh, breaks into the Haddock Manor, like the old mansion of the Haddocks, which are this old, famous sea family, which was kind of cool and interesting. I'm like, man, that guy's gutsy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, once again, what do they teach you in those mm-hmm. schools? <laughs> One really funny bit that they did was right when they're being introduced to the pickpocket as well. Uh-huh. And they go in and you see the, the lady who comes out of the pet store and she like falls and then there's like these real canaries flying around oh, her head. Yes. <laughs> That's actually one of the bits from the comic book as well. Oh nice. And I was just like, that is awesome. But even before I knew that, I was like, that is hilarious. <laughs> it was funny. And then what I
0: liked is like the background character. He just like the pet shop owner just like comes out and with a, like, net a net. He's like and he's just to find him <laughs> and it just catches him, like, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, if I were a bird and I finally had freedom,
1: I'd be flying away. Freedom. Horrible, horrible freedom.
0: Crazy thing. You know, really from the beginning, they set the tone that this is a fast-paced kind of thriller and adventure story. Because they don't really give you much time to absorb what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, right as something's introduced, Tintin says, Ah, well, something more must be with this ship. Like, what's the secret that holds? And... He kind of works real-time with us. It just moves so quickly that we don't really have a chance to sit back and relax and figure out what's going on and try to think a little bit more. Like, it just bam, 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 bam. Which yeah. is interesting, and I actually really like it. I liked it, too. So, you know, Tintin's kidnapped and put into a box and then put on this big ship. He's being very, uh, you know, smart and ingenious and figures out how to get out
1: very quickly. Yeah. You know? He's like, meh. Done this before? Did this in episode five, <laughs> and then we also get introduced to Captain Haddock here, and oh dear, <laughs> oh this poor guy, guy. <laughs> pathetic
0: oh, man. excuse for a man, at least early on. Yeah, yeah. he just has a very uh, sad problem with drinking. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just gone too far yeah, at this point where he's he's not even functional. Yeah. So, I mean, later on, they someone gives him a glass of water, and he's like, what is this beverage? And they're like, it's water, sir. So, I mean, that kind of shows the extent of this guy's drinking problem, yeah. is that, like, he's not even drinking basic fluids anymore, it's all alcohol.
1: He doesn't even need food. No. Like, when he goes to get his own essentials, it's just a bottle of rum. Yes! I think him and Captain Jack Sparrow maybe, have, might have, uh, come from the same bloodline. Why blood is the gone? <laughs> right. You know, he was actually played by Andy Serkis, who actually also plays Golem from Lord of the Rings, and he essentially helped invent motion capture animation. So, he was really good, and every time he's on screen, you just kind of watch him, and he's really good at his facial expressions, he's really good at at just, like, making you want to watch him Mm -hmm. in this. So, I was very impressed with that. Who did they originally want for the role? Originally, they wanted Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Hmm. Like when, when they originally thought about this in the eighties, yeah. he wanted this to be Jack Nicholson. I was like, meh, I like better this way. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked Andy Circus because it was just. I mean, he's
0: really talented in what yeah. he does, and so it's nice to see him kind of get, get his role. I'm sure the fact that Peter Jackson was involved, you know, yeah. had nothing to do with
1: it. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> I loved when Haddock is talking about his crew, and he's, like, going in and, like, trying to get the keys, and he's he's going through, and he's like, watch out for him. He's a restless sleeper on account of the tragic loss of his eyelids. <laughs> oh, ouch. He's like, oh, it was a card game to remember. You had to be there. <laughs> And it's like, And are you sure this is really what we should be doing he's like nothing to worry about provided that they all stay asleep oh but stay clear of Mr. Gibbs he was sacked as a shepherd on account of his animal husbandry <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh my gosh this is hilarious okay those guys have got to be like the
0: worst I don't know maybe they're all tuckered out from their long day at sea but they're like yeah. falling, on to- <laughs> falling on top of each other like they're being slammed into and eventually they all pile onto the ground
1: sound asleep like no worries. <laughs> they're just used to sleeping like this. And at this point, you're also we're brought back to the pickpocket part. Uh-huh. And I loved the pickpocket. It was hilarious. So you get this part when you walk in and you've got Thompson and Thompson. Yes. Tom- Thompson and Thompson. Yes. There you go. And they're like, oh, good grief. That's a lot of wallets. It's like, <laughs> well, I started out from coin purses and then it went from there. I'm not a bad person. I'm a kleptomaniac. <laughs> What's that? Fear of open spaces. Oh, poor man. No wonder he keeps his wallets in the living room. <laughs> oh, and this one I actually picked from a pickpocket who was pickpocketing at the time. <laughs> That's classic. Like, this
0: guy, it's funny because hes he knows he's been caught red-handed, or at least he thinks yeah. he has. And he's ready to, you know, it's kind of like certain criminals kind of want to be caught. Like yeah. they, they want to have someone... Put an end to their problem. And these guys are so oblivious. They're just like, oh, better watch out. You know, there's a pickpocket loose. It's like, duh. I I am. So the whole reason is we didn't really talk about this, but inside that cylinder, Tintin had found this piece of kind of scroll. And it had a clue on it about you know the the secret of the unicorn and what could happen. And so this really was the thing that Saccharin, who was played by Daniel Craig, he kind of the we discover very quickly is a villainous type character. And this is what he is looking for was this piece of parchment, and that's the reason why they kidnapped Tintin because supposedly Tintin had this. And then they, you know, check his whole body and discover it's not on him. Which is really frustrating. So the pickpocket was actually kind of a clever way to get that out. Yeah. Um, out of his presence. And then it's returned back to him by these men at a later point. So I liked that. and It was clever. And it was fun. And then, you know, this is the end of the pickpocket. So,
1: you know. yeah. But he was, he was a great character for the time he was in there. <laughs> it was true.
0: <laughs> you know, there's lots of craziness. There's lots of fighting. There's lots of drama in this movie. And so then... Uh, they get captured, and they're just trying to escape as quick as they can. They get on a boat. There's two boats, and, you know, the decoy boat gets destroyed, and then they kind of just row off into the middle of the ocean by themselves, <laughs> Haddock and Tintin.
1: Oh, which, poor Haddock. Haddock. without
0: alcohol is turning to be
1: <laughs> not so good. Oh, man. And he starts, like, yeah, it's just his hallucinations. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I built you a fire. I thought you were kind of cold oh. over there. In a boat? What are you doing? <laughs> I have to say, watching this the second time around was a lot better than the first time. Like, the first time you see it, and you're just like, this is funny. This is Uh really good. But the second time around, it was like, this is really funny. Like, there's a (laughs) lot of these one-liners in there that are just hilarious. Mm -hmm. So, how did they get the plane? Well, while they're sitting there... They've tried to put out the fire, and now they're sitting on the top of it, and Haddock is just kind of moping, and he's like, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to jump off. Are you listening at all? <laughs> and I was like, no, but look, there's there's one of those Portuguese planes, you know, and he's like, oh, well, let's get it. And then it starts shooting at him, and then <laughs> they end up with, like, their one bullet you know, because Tintin's amazing like this, of course, he's course. able to shoot down the plane. <laughs> 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 and then he goes up to the plane that is now floating on the water, and he takes his empty gun and he holds up the, <laughs> the pilots, nice. who also have guns. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, but Tintin obviously has too much courage and know-it-all to be taken down, so okay, all to
0: you, Tintin. So yeah so this is a still action packed lots of going on rushing the plane they 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 fly the plane and then it stops working and then eventually they land in the desert yeah so what i you know as the second they hit the desert you start to realize wow there's we there's been a lot of settings and different environments that we've been introduced to just mm-hmm. in this like very short time which i thought was really cool because yeah. we're in belgium then we're at this cool manor then we're at sea and now we're here in the desert so i like that personally yeah but so this is really where like the main key factor happens with uh Haddock's hallucination. Yeah the fact that he doesn't have alcohol kind of triggers apparently <laughs> in his life he's never not been inebriated. <laughs> and so he is running dry, literally, and has these hallucinations that trigger kind of um, tales from his family history, you know, lost stories that only haddocks know that have been passed down from generations, but for some reason he's forgotten. So he's transported and he's turned into one of the old haddock captains who who's being attacked on his ship. You know, by this other pirate called Red Rackham, and so you know you're figuring out all oh, what's happening and and everything, and then he kind of the hallucination stops.
1: <laughs> like, Dang it,
0: like, no! And Tintin's like, hey, no, what? Like, what else do you remember? And he just doesn't remember because, um, just the hallucination ended, and so they kind of pass out in the desert. And they get discovered by you know some natives, not really natives, but um, locals yeah. who know how to travel the desert. So they take him, and he's in this room, and um. Snowy does something. He gives him alcohol, and it triggers another. Snowy's also an alcoholic as well. <laughs> yeah. So while they're there, they're kind of held hostage in this room, and Snowy somehow gets another another drink in his hands, and it triggers the end of this hallucination, right? Yeah. And So I really like the, these hallucination scenes because you get to go back in time, you get to see this like pirate's life for me um, <laughs> aspect, and and then there's all these like classic things we talked about, like you know when there's drama on board a ship, like of course something's gonna happen with. The gunpowder. Yeah, the gunpowder room is
1: always the first thing to go. And the
0: gunpowder is also, you know, classic, not just animation, any movie. Somehow a trail of gunpowder is going to get, (laughs) like, taken from the gunpowder, like, hall you know, upstairs, around a bunch of things, uh-huh. and then caught on fire. And so then there's this big scramble to put out the fire before it blows us all up and blows us to spit the rain. Hey, so you have to have a timeline here. It's great. So, I mean, they I thought that was really funny. And so, you know, uh, Captain Haddock, the the original, I guess, and Red are fighting and kind of talking about, you know, show me what you have. And the boat does not blow up at this point. And then he shows him. So then, you know, we discover that underneath this ship there are 400 weight in gold which is a lot of jewels <laughs> so i love me a good pirate story that just involves mounds and mounds of treasure
1: does great doesn't? it's great Who doesn't <laughs> i mean when i saw that i was just like ooh, yes yes <laughs> now we're talking yes <laughs> <laughs> we never get tired of it yeah
0: no not at all so we discover okay so this is the true thing that they were looking for but then we also find out what happened with you know the ship is called the unicorn so that's why these model ships were also called unicorns, because we discovered there were three of them made and inside each three because the, sh- the unicorn was blown up. And in the process of being blown up, Red cursed all of the Haddock descendants from here on out. Um, and so Haddock escapes and, of course, passes the curse on from family member to family
1: member. Family that, member. That's one thing. I like How does Red have the power to curse a family name? you know and that never quite was understood we don't we're not sure if he's a wizard or a sorcerer or like what? how just just by me saying morgan you know what hey okay, don't, don't go there okay <laughs> like how in the world is this
0: gonna like continue on yeah so i mean we're just led to believe it and so they discover oh okay so we need to find these three scrolls that are hidden in the three masks of these unicorns Saccharin has one Tintin has one, but you know, it was lost. Right. And there's this other one in Bagar, which is this kind of Arab palace, or it's a city. And in it, there's sort of this Arab aristocrat, <laughs> stupid don't <aristocrat. So laughs> Remove that word for me. There's this. So, so then we discover that the third ship is in Bagar, which is home to this Arab-like um, aristocrat who also happens to have this third model ship, but in very, very expensive bulletproof glass. Yeah. And I liked how this resolved and how, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just great. Like, it's just just another outrageous part of this movie that just works. Yeah. And I really liked it. So um, somehow this um, Milanese Nightingale comes to visit this aristocrat, and it's put on not only by Saccharin himself. He's the one who's, who's put this all together and we figure out very soon the reason she's here is so she can perform in this outdoor gazebo by the by the ocean where um where of course figures the ship just sits of course you know and you cannot penetrate it except there's only one thing <laughs> Vibration <laughs> <laughs> her voice <laughs> and so yeah so she's singing and she's hilarious she has one quote she's like Oh, it's my first visit to the third world. It's like oh yeah,
1: that's You exact- uncultured swine.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and oh then- my <laughs> gosh. I love when you when they first see her, are they like like, Oh, that's his secret weapon, the Milanese Nightingale and Haddock's in the back, ooh, what a dish. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh man. Actually the character in originally is actually a reoccurring character uh-huh. in the Really? Yeah, in the series. And she apparently has like, Haddock hates her, like, <laughs> to, to no end. If she never gets his name right. He always calls him Paddock or something, <laughs> like, just something or other. And the inspiration for her was actually taken from Ergis's aunt, who apparently went around screeching, singing all the time. Oh, nice. And so apparently she wasn't a good singer. So in the show, it's like it always shows that Haddock hates the voice and is like, ah. Oh, (laughs) because I didn't get that. Like, it was only
0: people, like, affected were Snowy Uh and Haddock. And I didn't understand why Haddock had such a problem with the singing. Uh I was like, is it? poisonous, or no. why? It's just because he just hates her injection Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I love yeah.
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I gotta get out. It's bleeding the ears. It's <laughs> like, you're fine, at it <laughs> But she was, okay, I've gotten really into classical music lately. Nice. Like, opera type things. And, like, she, that, okay, that last note was impressive. <laughs> like, I've tried to hit that note, and I'm like, I can't even squeak that. Like, <laughs> That's insane! Oh awesome. man, so I was really impressed. I've seen some YouTube videos of her, and wasn't quite not, as impressed. Not the Melanie's Nightingale. You mean the lady, the lady herself? <laughs> yeah, the actual singer whose name whose name is Kim Stengel. Yeah, so she's the videos on YouTube don't give her justice. Uh-huh. Like this gives her justice. Of like, yeah, you're really good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So of course
0: we figure the glass breaks when she hits her high note, mm-hmm. and figures uh, Saccharin has. A falcon. Because all bad guys have some sort of pet bird. Right, of course. And so this falcon appears because the falcon swoops in, you know, kind of takes the, the model ship. It doesn't really care. Just breaks the staff, gets the thing, and flies away. Right. Um, which is just really funny. It's like, huh. You're really trained. Good yes. job. <laughs> he was prepared for this. Like, he really put quite a sting operation, oh, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's funny that we don't really see the repercussions of the fact that this very prominent model ship was broken and...
1: They just move on. But... Right, right, yeah, and the fact that they, like, basically drown an entire city from... <laughs> True. <laughs> like, we don't see the repercussions there. They just kind of hang out afterward. <laughs> like, and, okay, Aww. so
0: Haddock, he kind of gets taken, and his he was holding Tintin's, Tintin's uh, scroll, yeah. and it gets taken from him. And the way they do it is they hit him in the back of the head with a bottle. Mm-hmm. And can I just say, in my life, I never want to get hit in the back of the head oh, with a bottle. That. that just looks like the most painful thing. <laughs> Ever, because it shatters. It's just, oh, I'm thinking, like, brain damage or potential. (laughs) Obviously, you're going to pass out. I... That is not a goal in life. No. I'm just letting you know. Okay, I'll make sure that doesn't <laughs> happen. <laughs> oh, I just cringe. It's like that and then like the thing from Lulan, like the teeth. Like Ugh. I never want my teeth to fall out by getting punched in the oh. face. Uh, maybe I'm watching too many animated films, but these like ridiculously bizarre things happen. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> and I create yeah. these like instill these fears inside me.
1: <laughs> Nightmares so, of Morgan. So,
0: okay, speaking of the three ships, like I have a conundrum about this because okay. there were three. And one was owned by Arabic royalty, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, The other was the original estate from the family. That makes sense. And then the third, we're just supposed to believe, has been, like, chilling at Portobello
1: Road for the past, like, (laughs) decade with no (laughs) takers. I don't know. So, you know, that is why Antiques Roadshow is so popular. (laughs) Everyone sits around thinking, huh, I've got a lot of old junk in my attic. I wonder what that's worth. (laughs) you never know it's just funny it's like
0: uh, this apparently is a big deal everywhere except this one guy who's owned it for such a long time (laughs) hilarious to me but yeah you gotta you gotta start somewhere they had to start with tim tinted somehow getting hold of it how else would he got gotten it yeah he is not a thief so he wouldn't have stolen of course not but he does break into homes
1: so (laughs) which apparently
0: isn't the same yeah he had no problem with it So, okay, so then they kind of have, they're trying to chase this falcon, like, so we definitely had a tangent there, but, so the falcon still has the, the scroll, and so Tintin goes on this, like, race through the city trying to find the falcon and get the scroll back, and it felt very much like a video game to Uh me, you know, where you have, like... It's pretty in-depth.
1: Yeah. Lots of things happen, I mean... jumping in from building to building and, like, swinging from lantern to lantern yes you know things that won't happen in real life but are so cool to
0: see in a movie you know or a video game and or um and so you know at one point he's riding on a motorcycle he's riding upstairs and of course he has an awesome sidecar of course which i think is pretty cool um again showing that Tintin has no problem with vehicles in any way shape or form especially from other countries with different designs (laughs) hey hey Awesome. I did a report on this one. Did a story on this. <laughs> so that kind of goes along with, I remember in like the fifth um, Harry Potter book, remember when Professor Umbridge, she's like, all you need is theory. <laughs> it's like, as long as you have the theory, then you can execute it, which oh. is not necessarily true. But right. in Tintin's case, of course. Of course. So um, it works out perfectly.
1: They end up not ha- getting the scrolls. But I will, I will say one thing. I didn't believe the fact that the Falcon could fly so slow. <laughs> like, why he would be flying so slowly, like, through this whole thing. Because falcons go, like, 200 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, really? This, you can just, falcons. like, jump and, like, catch him? <laughs> like, I just
0: don't think, or, I just don't buy that. this wasn't a very, like, smart falcon. He must have had the, the brain the size of a pea. Because, why don't you just fly into the sky? No <laughs> one could reach you. Like, no, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swoop very close to the ground just to, you know,
1: tease him a bit. <laughs> Awesome. So after this, they're all sitting there and they've almost given up because Sacchar now has all the clues that he needs and they're like, oh, dang it. Like, mm-hmm. the Falcon got his way and actually won in the end. And um, they're just sitting there and I, I will have to say that I think Haddock, I think he should go into motivational speaking because that was a really good little like speech he had there. It was like going through I'm like, wow, thanks Haddock. Those are all truisms. <laughs> Don't give up. You're not a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> so then we kind of have this final
0: showdown at the docks. Um, and, you know, they're they're in these big crane things, and Haddock and uh, Sakharin are trying to kill each other, and, and it finds very much lots of joy in the fact that he, <laughs> he finally can kill Haddock because you know, he's hang- he's hung on to him for quite a while yeah. but now that haddock knows the truth about the descendants and you know all this curse and everything now he feels okay yeah killing him and he's gonna do it very brutally by slamming a crane into him and of course of course he doesn't die and um, you can't kill him.
1: He's got. No. He's got to have justice, and he's got to go to court, and all these <laughs> things. He can't just get hit over the head with a bottle and drown. No, like and, he should have. And like you think that there's going to be this big climactic
0: ending, and maybe I don't know. Maybe I, I they just kind of like the police come, and then he kind of surrenders, right? Uh huh. So I thought that was a bit. Um, it was okay of an ending, but yeah. I felt maybe uh, maybe I've been Disneyfied, where I'm <laughs> expecting someone to fall off a cliff and, <laughs> and scream and just fall to their death. But no, he just falls off a little ledge yeah. and just kinda sits there and, and gets taken I give away. Up. <laughs> so then Haddock and Tintin, of course, I mean the story isn't resolved quite yet. They have the three scrolls, yay! yay. <laughs> you know, and and you know, Saccharin did all the work, which he points out very clearly. Yeah. You know, it took a descendant of Red Rackham to find to get this all together into uh huh. yeah, what's the word I'm thinking too? To solve this puzzle. So they had these three clues. And so one thing that had been stressed throughout the whole thing is that only a descendant of the Haddock line could figure out the clue. Right. And so, I mean, we figure out, you put the three pieces of paper together, you look at them in the sunlight, and it gives coordinates. So in my mind, I'm thinking, coordinates to the boat. Yeah. Like, woohoo, like get, your, get your submarine, and let's go find some treasure. <laughs> no. No. It's to the manor, which is kind of interesting. And this butler, who originally kind of had given Tintin clues at the beginning, uh-huh. which kind of made you, made you wonder about his loyalty. Like, why is he helping him out? You know, but he, he welcomes them, and the butler says, oh, it's glad to, you know, finally have a haddock
1: own the manor and be able to serve you again. I don't understand this butler. Like, is he just a slave tied to this lot? Because right after Sacre gets off the boat, he's like, hello, sir, did you enjoy your travels? I'm not paying you to do anything you're not paying me at all. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? You're just chilling at this, like, dilapidated old manor, like, waiting for... But you're... I mean, you're a good butler, so you're always there. Like, is that just... He must have a life debt or something that he owes to the Haddock line because, you know, even um, when he says
0: to Haddock, like, oh, it's happy to be serving a Haddock again and, you know, have a Haddock own this place. And Haddock is like, no. Like, I I don't... I would never be able to afford this in my wildest dreams. (laughs) So this guy, like, I'm not quite sure how much he knows... But he obviously knows, there's treasure here, Yeah, you're going to get treasure, and you're going to buy the place back. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just funny. I'm like, is this kind of... But he didn't know about the second He right. did not know about the second cellar where, like, the final clue was hidden. Right. So I'm, I'm still a bit baffled about this guy.
1: Yeah, maybe he'll come around in the next Ooh. one. I didn't quite get into the series enough to know if he was actually <laughs> in the rest of Chelsea! It. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, so really fun. And so, you know, of course,
0: the Haddock who had grown up here knew that there was the second cellar, and so he goes into the cellar, and this manor has problem with like brick walls that <laughs> have holes in it in certain yeah. spots. I mean, that's how Tintin gets in originally um, through the wall, and then, oh, of course, there's just a bunch of rubble in front of this hole, <laughs> so we all crawl through it, and um, then there's this big globe that apparently a haddock only, only will know how to open it, and he does, and he clicks somewhere right. in the Caribbean Bahamas, and pop, pops off, and there's a big... You know, it's a so, giant hat. <laughs> a giant hat, and it's filled with gold. Which, I like that hat. Like, that's was, pretty awesome. Was, if I were a captain yeah. nowadays, like, I don't care what's, what's standard, what's <laughs> what norm. What style like, is now. I'm going back 500 years and wearing a giant <laughs> captain hat. And I'll get you the hat. <laughs> a really big one. <laughs> so, um, you know, he's all excited because that's a lot of jewels and a lot of gold. I mean, we don't, like, think about it because a lot of us don't deal in gold nowadays. But, like, how much just even a globe filled with gold coins and jewels is actually worth?
1: It's worth a lot of money.
0: A lot, a lot of money. Enough to, like, make you set for life. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, he's all happy and, and not necessarily thinking that's the treasure. But Tintin, we see him. He kind of is in the background. He reaches into the globe. And I begin to wonder, like if his ethics and morals are beginning to sway here. Because for a few minutes, he doesn't say what's going... Like, if he doesn't present Haddock, like, hey, look what I found. And so Uh I'm like, is Tintin really going to keep this for himself? But of course not. He's very honorable, and they kind of split it, and it gives him another clue. Uh Um, And it just ends there. There's another clue to where the treasure is, and sets it up perfectly for a sequel, which makes me excited. Yeah. Good, good movie.
1: Very good movie. So let's write it. Like I said before, the first time I watched it, it was good. Mm -hmm. And the second time I watched it, it was even better. And it just got better every time. So I'm going to give it a four stars. Like at first, I think I would have given it like three and a half. Mm -hmm. But the second time, I'm going to go for the four. Nice. It's like, you know what? This is a good, good show. Lots of fun interactions, very fast paced. And it's something that it was just like, (laughs) that's a really funny line. (laughs) I was laughing a lot through this whole thing. So
0: I'm going to rate it four and a half stars. I remember when I first saw this, I thought this was the best movie, best animated film in 2011. Watching it again was just really fun and still exciting, even though I kind of knew what happened. Even my husband, who despises animated films, he started watching it with me. He didn't finish because he had to go to bed, but he texted me this morning. He was like... (laughs) I really liked that tinted. Let's let's finish it. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, cause wow. sometimes he'll just kind of humor right, right. me and, and just watch it just for me and then leave and has no intention of finishing. Right. Um, but yeah, the fact that like someone who really doesn't like animation actually liked it is a huge testament to me of how good this movie is. Yeah. I think the fact that Spielberg was involved and directed, you know, who has directed Raiders of the Lost Ark and very mm-hmm. very classic kind of uh, adventure movies like that definitely played to why this came off so well on screen. Uh, Motion capture was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Um, my gosh. I I just was blown away throughout the whole thing. I love the way that they they did it. They, you know, made it cartoony enough so you're not kind of focused on that. But, I mean, everything just at certain points looked very real and was Mm -hmm. impressive to me. Yeah. So this is kind of one of the first, I guess, Avatar really... Um, did it very very well, but that was that was kind of a different medium, mixing kind of live action and motion capture. But this was just kind of all motion capture, and they did a great job telling the story. I was captivated the whole time. I loved how fast paced it was, just like you. How we were moving and adventurous, and it was fun and uh-huh. clue adventure pirates gold, <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> and um, left really excited for the sequel. And so it's been about a year and a few months since this one came out. And I've heard that, you know, they're they're in development for the next one. So woohoo, I can't wait to see the next one. Four and a half stars, really good. I mean, I'm even interested in finding out more about Tintin, watching the cartoons, reading yeah. the books. So I mean, can't ask for more.
1: So, it's time for the mailbag! Mailbag! <laughs> oh, I'm not sure if we'll keep that. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, one of the reasons why we did this movie is because we got a nice little email from Esther. And Esther says... I recently stumbled across your website and have been enjoying the articles and listening to the podcast. It is a pleasure to listen to you talking about the animated films because you speak with optimism, joy, and keep things upbeat. This episode <laughs> definitely is upbeat. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Esther. <laughs> have you seen Steven Spielberg's The Adventures of Tintin yet? And if when you do, could you write an article or do a podcast on it? I grew up reading Erge's books and watching the animated series on Nickelodeon. The film blew me away, but I'd like to have your point of views on it. Keep up the great work, Rotoscopers.
0: Thanks, Esther. That was, I mean, normally when we get emails, we, we already have certain things in the lineup. And so we say, oh, thank you. You know, we're going to put that on our to-do list. But this one, uh, we kind of had um, scheduling scheduling problems. problems. And so we said, hey, you know, let's do it right now. Let's just do Tintin. So Chelsea and I got on it and it was a good thing. It was yeah. just fun and exciting. So thanks for the suggestion. If anyone else has suggestions, like please don't be afraid to email us and let us know. And we definitely get common ones that people suggest. Mm-hmm. For example, Little Mermaid was very common, so we finally did it, so we're excited. But if there are particular ones you want to see, let us know and we'll add it to our list of requested ones. Um, there are particular genres or, um, Filmmakers, we need we need to do some more Miyazaki films. I'm yeah. feeling we need to do uh, a few more sequels. Yeah, um, and then some other studios. You know, mm-hmm. Despicable Me is inevitable soon, yeah, right? That, one's, that one, that gonna come up.
1: It helps that these were on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be honest. If you want to be on Netflix, you can go to therotoscopers.com/slash/netflix. Get a free month trial. Woohoo! It's free. It's free. It's awesome. The next letter in our mailbag comes from Kelsey. And she says, hey, Rotoscopers, I just wanted to say that I love your podcast. It's great to know that there are other animation addicts out there like me. It took me almost three weeks to listen to all of your podcasts, but it was well worth it. Thank you for this great website and these fun podcasts. They always brighten my day. Kelsey. Wow. Awesome. Thanks, Kelsey. Like, wow, three weeks. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. because um, I mean, this is episode 33, and they're <laughs> all at least an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a lot, yeah. <laughs> See, that's funny. Um, my husband's best friend is
0: named Rick, and he recently started listening to the podcast. And he he told me when I was, I saw him one time, and he was like, "I just wanted to let you know, like, he I know he's listening to this, so whatever." <laughs> I considered it a mailbag a verbal mailbag. <laughs> and so he said, like, "Oh, I started listening to it, and I love your podcast. Like, I love the energy you have, and it's so fun and." I listen to all the episodes at work uh, because he's allowed to, you know, listen to to music at work or different things to the iPod. And he's like, I've listened to all of them. I've literally listened to some of them twice, and so I was like, "Oh, Rick, that's so nice." Because like sometimes I'm like. Do I want people in my real life to know how I am on the I podcast? Know, right? <laughs> it's like sometimes I don't know if I like tell my real friends like listen to my show because it's like they're they're just going to be like oh my gosh she is such a geek. <laughs> She's crazy. She's going crazy about these animated films. But so it's uh, I'm glad to know another real person in my real life I know. feels the same way. <laughs>
1: so thanks Rick. Oh man. This is a great episode actually. Well, thanks so much, guys. This has been awesome. This has been a really fun episode, Chelsea. I know, right? <laughs> like, you, I don't
0: know. Chelsea and Morgan episodes are really fun because they're a bit more on, they're a bit less structured, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Just... And it's just Morgan and get Chelsea geek out time. <laughs> I do miss. I do miss Mason because right. he's hilarious. Let's Mason's be honest. Great, yeah, he adds a lot to the podcast, so we miss you, Mason. But. Um, I had a great time doing the Adventures of Tintin and I was glad I was able to watch it again and talk about it and talk about the news. I'm excited to see like the website is growing. Yeah. And there is starting to form like a little bit of a community on Twitter and on the site. Um, you know, if you've gone to the website, like comment because we wanted to create this a place where you can interact with other animation fans in the comments and kind of have your opinion heard. And so, you know, me and Chelsea, we comment on there frequently and some of the other writers and so we just want to see everyone's opinion. So write on there and
1: and join the fun. Yeah. If you want to find out more, you can head on over to www.therotoscopers.com. And if you have a specific episode you're looking for, you can just do forward slash and then the number of the episode. We can also find us on Twitter, and that's therotoscopers at Twitter. You can find us on Tumblr, on Hypable, lots of fun places. And now also on animatedviews.com. Woohoo! Yay! Thanks, Animated Views! <laughs> So, if you want to find us individually, Morgan Stradling is on Twitter. I'm Chelsea Robson on Twitter. And you can also go to my website, which is technically my Facebook page, chelsearobson.com. Nice. <laughs> hey. Gotta love the forum. <laughs> <laughs> just just go for it. Um, and you can also find Mason at thisanimatedlife.blogspot.com. So, until next time, guys. We, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Go going and get some breakfast or something. But we gotta get back to work, okay? I love you, Marissa. <laughs> I knew that was cool. <laughs> I love you too, miss.
0: Talked a lot about Haddock. Yeah.
1: Haddock, you're never around when I need you. <laughs> Do not put this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Hello.
0: Are we taking over the world yet? We're recording right now, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? Take over the
0: world!